It's time for the Mad Dog Show. Coming to you live from the Park Group studio in the heart of the Bulldog Nation. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Sanford Company, Fincher's Barbecue, Sellers Construction, Go Clean Co., Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Jay Lee Attorney at Law, Ortho Georgia, Pelicano Construction, Jags Pizzeria and Pub, Bib Distributing, The Butler Auto Group, The Park Group, Corporate Connection, The Dog Bone, and Bulldog Illustrated. Now, here he is, your host, The Mad Dog. And that song was Tennessee Jed by The Grateful Dead. Why The Grateful Dead? Well, because it's Thanksgiving week, of course. And why Tennessee Jed? Well, because it's a great song with appropriate lyrics like, you know you wound to wind up dead if you don't head back to Tennessee, Jed. And wow, was that the case Saturday night? And I'm pretty sure that the Vols were traumatized by another song Saturday night, Inner Sandman, a song by Metallica that the Cox blast before every home game. And it's so loud. Well, it's not Sanford Stadium at Dooley Field loud, but it's loud. And as all volunteer fans know, a loud stadium isn't fair. And neither is playing at night or in the rain or if it's cold or the bugs are biting or someone has the sniffles. You whiny bunch of inbred orange-clad bumpkins. Your resume was a joke. Louisville. Pittsburgh, Akron, Florida, you barely beat them, and they lost to Vandy, LSU in a morning game when we all know that those crazy Cajuns don't even wake up until midnight. Bama, please, on a walk-off kick after they just missed their kick, please give me a break. UT Martin, and then you got embarrassed on Dooley Field. We put Smokey in heat read her and left her with a litter of mutts. And then you had the audacity to blame it on the noise and the weather. Anything but the fact that you were outcoached, outmanned, outclassed, and outplayed. Deluded yourself into thinking that you would back into the CFB. And then you choked on the cock's deep balls and constant pounding. You will play on New Year's Eve, just like you thought. Unfortunately, not where you thought. You won't even get out of your state because you're going to be at the Music City Bowl in Nashville. And speaking of Nashville, you will be there this week too, losing to a red-hot bandy. There, I'm on the record. Enjoy it, you orange-clad, inbred, cousin-loving hillbilly. Anyway, you've never heard the song Inner Sandman? Well, the lyrics read like something out of a super creepy gothic nightmare poem, complete with a bedtime prayer. So... Good luck sleeping, volunteer fans, because that beatdown is going to haunt you for years. <clears throat> so anyway, um, wow, that was kind of a <laughs> dark start. Um, all right, I'm going to try and lighten the mood. Happy Thanksgiving week, dogs. Um, PSA, I'm not mad as in angry. I'm mad as in crazy. Crazy about the dogs. I'm pretty sure I've established that so far. And I'm also a glad dog. I am a grateful dog. 
as evidenced by this shirt that I'm wearing, one of my favorite shirts. Sidebar, other Grateful Dead songs that we thought about considering for Tennessee included Hell in a Bucket and Fire on the Mountain. Hell in a Bucket because that's the way their season is headed. And Fire on the Mountain? Well, that's because last week Rocky Top was burning. But we won on a scary Saturday. Survival Saturday. The Struggle is Real Saturday. Say what Saturday? It was fugly football, and I think we all know what fugly means, but it was winning football, and it was actually almost a shutout Saturday, but it was definitely a win. Was it satisfied Saturday? No. Should we be happy about it? Yes. Winning by 10 against the team this past weekend, if you were in the top five, is the equivalent of a blowout. We have now been, in the past 26 seasons, to 26 straight bowls, which is best in the country. We are now one of only three teams in the past 40 years to go undefeated back-to-back in the SEC. But I heard a ton of complaining about our game. I had a lot of angry conversations, angry texts, angry calls and such. And these came from family and friends. So pardon me, but I got to get this off my hairy chest. And if you're grateful for where we are and what we've got going on and where we've been, then you can ignore this. But for the whining, complaining dogs, the spoiled dogs, the entitled dogs, please spare me. Spare me your whining, your bitching, and your moaning. Your, I could have called this play. I would have done that play. Even I could have gotten a yard. Really? You would have? You could have? Because the reality is you wouldn't because you didn't because you can't, won't, and never will because you are just like me. You are a fan, and that's all you are. But unlike me, you are spoiled, and clearly you are taking all of this for granted. You should be grateful, but you're not. It's like you've been invited to Thanksgiving dinner, to a Thanksgiving feast, and you brought nothing. Nothing but your middle-aged man gut to the table. And instead of being grateful, you complain. You complain that the gravy's too thin, or the turkey is too dry, or the stuffing is too salty, or the cranberry sauce came from a can. But guess what? Cranberry sauce does come from a can. So get over yourself and get grateful that we are the defending, the reigning, national champions, the undefeated reigning champs, the number one ranked reigning national champs who are undefeated. So do not complain to me because I don't want to hear it and I won't hear it. We weren't frantically kicking a field goal last week as time expired. We were in victory formation at the end of the game with a double digit lead. So don't try and tell me that it was bad because I'm not going to hear that trash. All I do is project positivity when it comes to the dogs. I am the poster man for a glass that is not only half full, our cup runneth over, my friends. We have an embarrassment of riches. Look, I went to Georgia from 89 to 93, where I would have given my left you-know-what to be in the position that we are in now. We have a natty in the rearview mirror, and we're undefeated in number one and have another one on the horizon. We should be savoring this as the time of our lives because I promise you, 
It will not last forever. You want to whine about something? Gripe about Gary. Gary Danielson, the most annoying broadcaster in the history of history. He's like your calculus teacher telling you how useful his class will be in life. He's like your wife telling you that she wants to talk about anything in the fourth quarter. He's like a Buddhist monk trying to teach you tantric sex. He's annoying, he's useless, and nobody wants to hear him. CBS, are you listening, CBS? We'd rather listen to the 10,000 commercials you run during any given Georgia game. But that's another rant. Get out of town, Gary. Get gone and go away forever. Retire and give it a rest. Give us a rest for crying out loud, you annoying Yankee. And excuse me for being redundant by saying annoying Yankee because that's like saying wet water. So gripe about Gary, my fellow dog family, and get grateful about Georgia, for goodness sake. In the name of all that is right in this world, dadgummit, Mike, drop. If I had a soapbox, I'd get off of it. All right. All right. I need a deep breath. I need to refocus and grab this mic again because I'm done bashing Gary, but I'm not done bashing our rivals. So Florida lost to Vandy, headed to a six and six year again. Just like last year, zero improvement in year one under Billy Napier. Can't wait to see you and Josh Heupel on the recruiting trail. Ditto Auburn. 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 If I had a dollar for every time some smug, delusional Auburn fan came up to me bragging about how they were going to land Lane Kiffin, I wouldn't need a Christmas bonus. Read my lips. Kiffin ain't coming to Auburn. Kiffin has a brain that works. He's not stupid, and he doesn't want your money because he doesn't need it. Why would Kiffin subject himself to your horrific dysfunction? Why would he lead Oxford for Auburn? His rejection of you will prove that your redneck money can't buy you everything. You will be lucky to have Cadillac, and you don't even deserve him. He's clearly a solid man of character. It's probably why he won't get the job. Or maybe there's another reason he won't get the job. The problem is you have FOMO, which is hilarious considering the disarray you're in. You're the delusional redneck who thinks he has a shot dating the prom queen, but the cold hard reality is you'd be lucky to take your aunt on a date. And she'd only say no to you because she's your mama. And your mom would feel bad cheating on your daddy because he's your brother. Wait, wait, I apologize. I'm sorry. My inbred jokes are only for Tennessee fans. All right. I'll describe the situation. You tell me what you think. Carnell Williams, Cadillac, Coach Lack, is an Auburn grad who played football there. He is, by all accounts, beloved by his players and anyone who has ever met him. On Saturday, he'll become the first blackhead coach in the Iron Bowl ever on either side, Auburn or Alabama. Rumor has it that Auburn is going to name Lane Kiffin as their head coach Friday. And if not Lane Kiffin, then maybe Hugh Freeze, whatever. And if they don't name it on Friday, they're going to name it on Sunday because it, it really doesn't matter because you're not going to name him as your new coach. You're not going to name a guy who didn't play for Auburn and he's not have anything to do with Auburn. 
And it doesn't matter if you do it before the Iron Bowl or after it. The optics on that are horrendous. It's a real bad look, Auburn. And we all know what it looks like, so I don't even have to say it. Shame on you, Auburn. We know that you're dysfunctional, and we always suspected it was worse than that. But if, an emphasis on the word if, because if that happens then, the whole world will know what you are. Anyway, good luck in this <laughs> the Iron Bowl this week because that's the only bowl you're going to play in. I will be pulling for Alabama to beat some sense into your delusional minds. And oh yeah, that, that sting you're feeling right now in your crotch is what's left of your pride. And speaking of your crotch, that's where the punchline is. So go ahead and laugh about it. Laugh so hard you cry at the state of your football program. And if my Auburn friends think that this assessment was too harsh, then maybe next time they decide to drunkenly get in my face at a party and rant and rave about their five and six team, remember that I have some witty retorts of my own that I'll save just for this podcast. So also, P.S., instead of War Eagles or Tigers, I've got a great mascot name for you. You should call yourself the Rednecks because that's what you are. All right, moving right along to this week's opponent, the Georgia Institute of Technology located on the less than scenic slums of Atlanta. This is supposed to be clean, old-fashioned hate week in accordance with tradition. Um, but Mama said I'm not allowed to hate anybody. And speaking of Mama, I'll use a little speech that she used on me a few times when I was younger. Your father and I aren't angry with you. We're not mad. We're just very, very disappointed in you. And that applies to you, Tech. We don't hate you. We pity you. I mean, how hard is it to recruit five-star athletes to Atlanta? You should have five stars beating down your dorm doors. Dion should be begging to be your coach. But nope. Clearly, you are talent repellent. And while you have fared admirably against UNC, we ain't UNC. We're UGA. And we know you're trying to get old bowl eligible and it's a cute story with your interim coach, but we don't give a rat's rear end about it. We don't want to just win. We want to destroy, devastate, humiliate, annihilate, and exterminate every living wasp, every living yellow jacket on the face of the earth. Now, let's get down to business, shall we? The Mad Dog Injury Report with Dr. Ryan Schnetzer. Dr. Ryan Schnetzer, what's going on? Oh, man, not a whole lot. Just uh, enjoying another win. Uh, close came up there in some cold weather in Kentucky, but uh, we're able to make it home. And really not a whole lot of new injuries from the game, which was good. Uh, I think the surprise earlier was Tate Ratledge didn't play. I think he had a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Maybe practice the week before. They didn't really comment too much on it. Uh, you know, I think the big thing is A.D. Mitchell still uh, still not out there. People stop me on the street, and they're like, what is Snetzer saying? What is Dr. Snetzer? I want to know what Dr. Snetzer says about A.D. Mitchell. I can't understand it, and I'm like, look, you'll just have to listen to him on the show with the Ortho Georgia Injury Report. So do you have any, I mean, pearls of knowledge you can drop on this situation? Yeah. You know, at this point, you know, it's still one of those things like you, you just you never know with these things. You know, I haven't been through the high ankle sprain and I'm trying to, you know, I'm going back to the 
think junior year in high school when I had one. I mean, it was it was a full six, maybe even eight weeks, and it they take a while to get over. You know, I think you know cold weather up there maybe not the best time to let them out. I think this weekend with the rain, probably not the best time. I don't expect to see him out there again this week. You know, mm-hmm. unless he says, "Look, I'm a hundred percent with no concern." I don't know if we see him out there this week. I think, you know, LSU uh, in, in Atlanta maybe the first time we see him get back out there. I agree, especially with the comments Kirby's made. You know, this week does not sound like he's ready. And, you know, yeah. why risk it against Tech? I mean – Yeah, no, I, I certainly think that. I mean, I think we – you know, we jump on them early and then we let some guys play, man. You know, it's going to be rough weather up there. I, don't, I think the rain's coming in maybe early Saturday or late Friday night Saturday, I think. Um, you know, this is one of those games, man. We're just, we've got to hold on. I mean, this game – in reality, other than staying undefeated, doesn't mean much for a little pride in the state. Um, you know, we just we just want to make it through. We got to get that LSU game games our last outdoor game of the year, which is going to be good. Yeah, you know, we, can take, we can take weather as a variable out of it after this week. Um, so you know, we just we just got we got to make it through. I think the coaches, to their credit, and the training staff too, look at things in the totality of their career. Right? It's not about this game or even this season or even their career at Georgia, it's about, you know, into the NFL. So why in the world would you risk it when you've got a team that is clearly able to perform at a high level without him, right. bring him into any situation where he's not 100% ready to go? Yeah, I mean, I think we certainly – I mean, we have other receivers out there that are, that are doing well. You know, obviously, you know, tight ends, Brock Bowers. I mean, we're, we're able to do what we need to do offensively. We're a very balanced team. We're able to run a ball when we need to. Um you know, let's let him. Let's let him get better. It'll be a hundred percent. The last thing we want to do is put him out there where he's, you know, 80 percent, maybe even just ninety percent. He's not able to do what what he wants to do, uh, and then you know, get maybe even re-injured at that point. So when people ask me, I'm going to say, Doctor Snetzer said he's not ready yet, and he will let you know when he's ready. Yeah. And and he's-, <laughs> he's the only person that knows when he's ready. I mean, there's right. no there's no test of you know manipulating the ankle or doing that. There's no it's really it's him getting out there and running and saying it doesn't hurt anymore. I can do what I need to do, and the only person that knows that is AD. And you know, and I and I gotta tell you, he's probably the first one trying to get back out there. You know, I mean, when you're these guys, that, I mean, they're they're, you know, they're some of the most competitive people you'll ever be with. The last thing he wants to do is be sitting on the sideline watching his team go out there uh, and play without him. I mean, he wants to be out there and and competing and uh, and doing well and helping everybody. So your prior statements beg this question: Is it does does he determine whether he's ready to play strictly on pain alone? As in, when there's no pain, that means he's ready. Is that kind of the acid test? Yep, exactly. Okay. So I mean, it's it's just it's all it's all on him healing, and when he says he can go, he can, he can do it. You know, there's there's no you know stretching or I mean, there's no just there's no real functional test other than him getting out there and doing what he needs to do. You know, and obviously, you know, receivers are, are putting a lot of stress on their ankle, making their cuts and their in their routes. Um, so when he says he can do it, you know, he'll be ready to go. Uh, I fully expect him not to touch the field this weekend. Um, I'm with you. And so, um, like Pickens came back last year. We may have touched on this earlier in the year, but yep. he was on a pitch count. Yep. It'll be different with Mitchell because, you know, it's not like, you know, a blown ACL coming back from that. When right. he's back, he's fully back, right? I mean, they won't have to worry about, oh, we can't let him run more than 10 plays this game, right? Yeah, I mean, th- theoretically, yes. He, he should be back full speed. Now, they may say, look, we're going to let you come back on a limited basis to really get your you know, cardiovascular, get, get you kind of back in the mode. 
um, just so to prevent an injury because, you know, injuries are going to be more prevalent when you're tired. Um, and he's been out long enough where he's probably lost some of that. You know, he's probably been doing stationary bikes and that and whatnot. But those just you're not going to you're not going to simulate those kind of game situations. So, you know, you don't want him out there running enough that he's going to get tired and then then have a higher risk of re-injuring. So I guess um, the bottom line is it's Thanksgiving week. And we should be thankful that we have made it this far without him. And that yep. at Thanksgiving week, there is only one marquee player that hangs in the balance. That's pretty yeah. rare. I mean, that is really yeah. rare. Uh, and we'll say two. We're no one's out. So who else, who else is out? About no one. Uh, Smith is out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I meant yeah. like the people yeah. that could come back. Here, we've yeah. got one out. Right. Yeah. And yeah. one. Who will be back? I mean, there, there's no doubt that he's going to be back this year. It's just when. Uh, at, at this point, again, I'll say I expect probably against LSU. I would not think this weekend. Um, now, would you like to address the accusation that was uh, leveled at you that you were merely a long snapper while at Georgia? That was This is brought up by Dogger. I tried to set him straight. Yeah. No, uh, I, would, I would like you to set the record straight. False statement there I, while i did do some long snapping i was primarily a center off the lineman uh also played uh some some guard uh but mostly center i didn't realize you were primarily center i thought that you were primarily yeah, guard. So, you know when i first got there you know i think i did guard the first game i started was a, i was playing guard uh, uh, -huh. uh so started a few at guard and then um you know, garden centers, we kind of rotated through. And then as a junior, moved more to the center and stayed there for my junior and senior year. All right. So we're going to uh, leave a teaser for next time. Next time, I want to talk about your role as center, how hard it was being up there, being the quarterback of the line. Okay, sure. For next time. That sounds like a great idea. All right, my man. As always, thank you for coming on and giving us your injury report. It's been awesome. Yes, sir. Glad to do it, man. It's been a good, been a good year. We're gonna keep it going. Yeah, I got we a few will. Here. We will. All right, go dogs. Go dogs, bud. It's time for some stats that matter with Bert Hodges from thedogbone.com. And we got Bert Hodges from the Dogbone here. Welcome back, Bert. Mad Dog, how you doing? Man, I couldn't be any better. Like I said, you know, we got a natty in the rearview mirror and one on the horizon. We're 11 and 0 and number one. We're playing tech. I feel pretty good about it. And then it's off to the SEC championship. So, I mean, couldn't be any better, really. I mean, look at us two straight undefeated, almost undefeated seasons. I mean, we got a, we're favored by 35 against tech. So we won't assume anything, but we're looking at two straight undefeated seasons. It feels, that feels like a dream. I mean, really, it is a, it's a dream if you're a dog fan. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, we're, we're right where we want to be, and everybody else is scrapping and clawing to get in. And um, here we are with like a 97% chance of getting in the playoff. <clears throat> yeah. So all we got to do is win Saturday, and everybody else keeps sweating. That's it. Yeah. So, um, you know, and it, what's going to be interesting is if we keep winning and we win these next two games and we slide into that one slot, um, that fourth slot is going to be really interesting. And, yep. you know, we'll look at that in a minute um, when we look at our favorite stat, which is yards per play, net yards oh, yeah. per play. 
Um, but somebody is probably going to slide into that fourth spot that, according to our metric, really doesn't deserve to be there. So um, that's good news for us, as long as we win our next two games. So you want to see that uh, this year versus last year? Let's do it. Let's go ahead and pull that up. Um, So we're looking at our, our favorite metric, which is net yards per play. And you remember our benchmark, which says that uh, if you're over two yards per play, then you're probably playoff material. And if you're over two and a half, then you're probably national champion. And so if you look at this is through week 12, last year to this year, um, you'll see quite a few similarities really at the, with the teams at the top. Um, and, you know, just the, right off the bat, looking at last year and this year, us this year versus last year, it really is kind of absurd where we were last year at this point. We were at 3.22 net yards per play, which is completely off the chart. And the reason that we went in the SEC championship game with such optimism, because, you know, if you look at Bama last year, they were a whole yard below us. Um, so flip to this year, here we are at the top again, 2.43. Um, there's Bama at 2.3. So there's your mm-hmm. two teams that technically should be qualified for the college football playoff. Everybody else is in the ones or um, below one. And there's Vandy and Arkansas pulling up the rear negative. But, um, you know, there's two teams that are clearly qualified to get into the playoff and thankfully that other team has two losses and um, unless something really crazy happens, we'll not be in the playoff. So uh, it should just be us as the lone plus two team that makes it into the playoff this year from SEC. I'll believe it when I see it because I've (laughs) been studying it. I mean, and there's pretty simple things that need to go down to where it turns into just a judgment call for 13 people in a room and I guarantee you, if a, a good salesman could walk in there and talk them into putting Bam in there as a fourth, if that happens. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they could. And I think that a few things would have to have to happen. Southern Cal would need to lose. TCU would need to lose. Um, Michigan loses to Ohio State. And maybe Clemson loses somewhere along the way. Some of Some variation of that. And uh, Alabama could slide up into that four slot. But... Um, you know, Southern Cal wins their wins Pac-12 championship, doesn't lose. Clemson doesn't lose. Um, if Michigan beats Ohio State, I think, you know, both of those teams could be in. Um, so Bama needs a whole lot of help to get in. Um, but, you know, there's still a chance. The, the other thing is it seems like there's always a push, at least in the national media, to try to get a diverse group of teams in there, you know, from maybe West Coast or Big Mm -hmm. Ten, Big 12, you know, and they'll push a team who maybe isn't qualified metric-wise to get in because I think they like to get that more diverse group than, say, you know, putting Bama back in there. So that may be working against them a little bit. Yep, and and just, you know, Bama fatigue, like, okay, we've seen them enough. They really, you know, this year they had two losses, could have had five, weren't even in the SEC championship, 
So let's take a whatever, a two-loss Oregon Pac-12 champion just because. That's it. Yeah, and look at Southern Cal. You know, they got the new coach in. Um, Southern Cal's back. I mean, you know the national media would love to, to put them in if they could. Oh, they'd love to. I just why I just don't trust them to run the table. I just don't feel like they will. No, and I, you know I don't trust them either. And so if we can jump to our next stat, which is the national yards per play, I want to mm -hmm. show you why you don't trust them. So if you look at this, this is really interesting because you know we talked about that plus two as being college football playoff material. So. There we are um, at the top. Ohio State at three, so they clearly qualify to be in. Michigan at 2.3, so, you know, they, they're qualified to be in. Um, TCU, 1.4. I mean, this is what we were talking about. I mean, if they slide into that four spot, there is a clear difference between us and TCU in yards per play and pretty much every other stat. Mm -hmm. um, look all the way down to Southern Cal and LSU. So um, LSU is interesting. They're at 0. 0.6, which, you know, you wonder why the line for the SEC championship is 15, 16 points. That's it right there. LSU is barely above break even on yards per net yards per play. Southern Cal's at 1.2, definitely not playoff material, but look at their record 10 and one. So, um, you know, still still has a chance. Really, one of the more interesting ones here that we just discussed that has a playoff that really shouldn't is Clemson. Um, you know, Clemson's at 0.7, mm -hmm. which isn't even close to our metric. But then again, look at the record 10 and one and going to the ACC championship, they got to beat South Carolina. Um, but Clemson could easily be in that fourth spot if they went out and a couple of things happened. Yeah, I just – man, that that beatdown they took by Notre Dame, I think just really is leaving a stinky smell in everybody's nostrils. Um, but, yeah, you know, but if they went out, they're 9-3. and three, And, uh, you know, who knows – well, if they went out, then they're knocking USC out. Yeah, they could. Um, yeah, so let's say hypothetically, based upon you know what's expected to happen, Georgia wins out, so Georgia's in. Ohio State wins out, so they're in. Michigan loses, uh, so then they're eleven and one. It, it kind of depends on how Michigan loses. It does. It really does because if Michigan loses a close game, then they've got a pretty legitimate claim at that fourth spot. And, it, and if you look at that yards per play, I mean, they technically deserve to be in. They haven't played great the whole year, and they didn't look good last Saturday. But overall this year, they have. So, yeah, Michigan is really looking for TCU to, to get a loss and us to beat LSU and Southern Cal to lose, you know, between Notre Dame and the Pac-12 championship. And then Michigan, you know, is in one of those spots as well. Um, but the other interesting thing on this national chart, and this is like almost inexplicable to me, is way down there at Florida State. <laughs> All that is, is the other team that qualifies for the college football playoff, and they're eight and three. They've lost to let's see, Wake Forest, 
North Carolina State and Clemson, um, and yet they're clearly dominating some games as far as yardage um, and what they gain and what they give up, and and they've lost three games. So you kind of have to hand it to Mike Norville because, I mean, he's turned the program around at least, um, and they're, they're looking better than they were. Right. Uh, there's no question. Yeah, but that's it. So, you know, with a week to go in the regular season, you know, our, our, our metric really kind of plays out. You get above that two and you give yourself a good chance to get in the playoff. And then, you know, there's always that random team like Cincinnati last year that um, stat wise isn't there. And, you know, really they shouldn't be there, but, um, you know, the national media loves to put in that underdog. So this is my new favorite stat. And I just wonder, I mean, what are the chances that the committee is looking at a stat like that? Uh, you know, what's interesting about it is that stat plays heavily into Bill Connolly's S and P and ESPN's FBI index. Okay. And so um, those almost match up exactly with that net yards per play. And I'm sure the committee looks at that football power index and the S&P. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it it plays some role. But they love – I mean, really it's record as much as anything, you know. I mean – if you can beat a team, if if you can go eleven and one, and you're only beating teams by four or five points, um, look at TCU. You know, I mean, TCU should have several losses, and there they are undefeated and uh, with a chance to get in the playoff just because they haven't lost yet. Yeah, I mean, they've tempted fate so much. It's almost like they they'll be this year Cincinnati if they get in. You know, it's like congratulations, you get to play Georgia. And <laughs> they will truly have run the gauntlet, you yeah. know, and they won't be favored in the, in the big 12 championship. So, you know, they'd have to win again as an underdog. And if they do, then um, it's great for us because I think that then, um, you know, we get a team that we should easily handle as long as we take care of our business in the next two games, we get a team that we can easily handle in the semifinal and put us back in the championship. Okay, I did not know they wouldn't be favored against Kansas State. That's that's something you've already seen out there? Well, <clears throat> I'm guessing that just because if you look at that FPI or Bill Connolly's S&P, Kansas State is higher than TCU. Okay. And typically, if you look at those lines, they're almost exactly where that team ha- has is assigned their number mm-hmm. relative to the other, that difference, especially on a neutral field. Um, so TCU's behind them. So I, I would expect them to be an underdog there. Interesting. Yeah. that They're, they're the kind of like USC. I just don't believe in them. I don't think they're going to run the table, which again yeah. plays back into my theory that Alabama's getting in, <laughs> which, and, and, and hear me out. I'm, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't want to play Alabama. I, I do. I would love that. I would love to exercise those demons in the bins. I would love to be the ones that, you know, put the dagger in Dracula's chest through his heart and to, mm-hmm. to signify the end of that dynasty and the beginning of ours. 
Yeah, and you know what would be really interesting is if you could get Kirby in private and he could tell you something and he, you were totally off the record and it wasn't going to be leaked to anybody and you asked him who he wanted to play there, do you think he would say Alabama again? I, you know, I the way he is, I think he'd say, I don't, I'm not, I don't care about who we play. All I care about is us. I don't like everybody. Right. So yeah. I, yeah. 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 He, he might tell Mary Beth Smart that, but I don't think he's going to breathe that to another human on the planet. No, I know, but you know, there's probably a little bit of him that you know there you you know there's this talk of the legacy going away and. Um, you know, if there's another nail he can put in that coffin, you know, he would like to do Oh, it. from a recruiting standpoint, it would be just off the charts. Yeah. I mean, yeah, go, going into the offseason, if we won it all and they had a three-loss season and you could make the case it could have been a five-loss season, you know, how much longer is your 71-year-old coach going to be there? Because I'm, what, 47? I just signed a 10-year deal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It's it's a pretty yeah. pretty easy sell. Yeah, we should be carrying if if we continue to take care of business, we should really be carrying some um, recruiting momentum into that first signing period. Um, something I read today that was really interesting, and um, you kind of anticipated this happening, but um, that all star class at Texas A and M signed last year, apparently. Word is about 20 of those guys are looking to leave and uh, hit the transfer. Portal. So, and the portal is about to open up, correct? Yeah, that window opens up, I think, December 5th. They can visit other schools between the 5th and the 18th, maybe. And so, when the portal opens up, if they visit, does that mean they, in order to visit, they have to say, I'm going into the portal, right? I believe so. I don't think you can take a visit to a school without declaring that you're in the pool. That is going to be fascinating to watch, especially after the year they've had where they're looking like they're headed to four and eight. I mean, you got to just think that the rats are going to be leaving that sinking ship. For sure. And there were so many of those guys that we really thought um, we were dialed in on. And then, you know, they flip over to Texas A&M. And, you know, Kirby's gone on and on about how we didn't pull anybody out of the transfer portal and how we're developing guys in-house. But you know that some of those guys, he's probably still got his eye on. And how many spots? I don't know this. We need uh, Tuan the Don, Anthony Foster here. How many spots do we have for next year's <laughs> recruiting class still open? Who knows? You know, I mean – I don't sweat over Kirby's roster management because that guy, I mean, he wakes up in the middle of the night thinking about it, I'm sure. But um, who knows? We're, I'm sure we will navigate that somehow. I got to believe the law of averages says this year we're going to get some guys out of the portal. Yeah, we got to. Yeah, because there were some five, there was some five-star talent, especially on defense, that um, that we really wanted to fill some gaps last year that we didn't get. And, if they come available again, I'm sure we're going to be we're going to be on them. There's there's no question. It'll be fun to watch. Well, Bert, do you have any other stats for us? You know what? I do have a few other ones. Um, there was, you know, I wanted to talk about Kirby for a second because we um, 
we were looking at a few of just the ridiculous stats that he's posted since 2017. And um, I pulled this up last week so we can add a, well, I'm going to go ahead and add another, another one to this, but we've got 26 straight regular season wins. Um, Kirby is 33 and two in the SEC East since 2017. <laughs> 46 and four in SEC regular season games since 2017. Um, and now he's tied for third for most uh, SEC championship game appearances behind Saban and Spurrier. And uh, we're the first SEC team to win five of the last six division titles since Florida did it 92 to 96. That's pretty heady company. That is, I mean, that is some really. You know, if you look back to 2017 and, you know, we, we talk about giving, you know, a, a buy on that first year because it wasn't his talent and, you know, he didn't – he kind of jumped in at the last minute. What he's done since 2017 is just absurd. And um, what he's done since 2020 – and um, I, I was looking at this stat earlier. Um, since 2020, we have the best record in college football. And what that coincides with – is us bringing in Todd Munkin because you remember it was COVID year and we brought in Munkin. Um, he didn't really get to work with the guys in the spring because they couldn't practice. Um, and since that point, when Munkin's come in, we uh, were 33 and three and the best record in all of college football. That's just astounding. And what that I think part of what that goes back to and what some insiders will tell you about Kirby is that 2019 LSU SEC championship game was a real turning point for him where, you know, he watched us just get our doors blown off on defense by Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase and company. And um, he decided we needed to make a change. And we went and got Munkin. And since that point, we've got the best record in college football. So it was, I think it was a real defining moment for us. Yeah. And here's a stat that you never hear quoted by the media is the dogs are 25 and one since the start of the mad dog show. So, I mean, there's that, I mean, how's that for a stat a stat you can use. And that is not an accident. That's <laughs> not a coincidence. I mean, that is brought to you by the mad dog show. <laughs> oh, it's been a, it's been a fun, fun ride that I don't want to end. What a time to be alive. Um, one more stat for you because this is our, our favorite guy that we get to talk about that's not on the team anymore is can you guess who is number five in the SEC in total receiving yards this year? I can guess, but I don't want to uh, steal your thunder, so you tell us. It's our boy, Matt Landers, oh, man. out there in Arkansas, averaging a ridiculous 17 and a half yards per catch, um, over 700 yards. If he was on Georgia putting up the numbers he's doing at Arkansas, he would be our leading receiver ahead of Brock Bowers. He's going to play on Sunday. He'll probably end up being an all-pro, you know, just lighting people up. It's just a late bloomer, you know, you could, yeah. and you could see it. You could see it right. right there. Just it was just just this far off from being there, and just it just it took time. 
can he transfer back to Georgia? Is that still an option? Um, Does he have another year? He would be the new Julian Rochester if he was able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, that would be testing the like port, what what the portal rules are for a guy to transfer from somewhere and then transfer back in. I don't know if that's ever happened, that but is, I'd take That's him. a great question. And yeah, I'd take him too. Yeah. Without without yeah. hesitation. Speaking of receivers, um, have y'all discussed A.D. Mitchell? Did you discuss it with Dr. Schnetzer about? We have not discussed him yet. We are going to be talking to Dr. Schnetzer here shortly. Okay. I would love to, if he has some inside information on why in the world a high ankle sprain takes nearly four months to recover from, I I would love to know what that is. And you will get that answer. That is why we have Good. that is why we have Dr. Schnetzer. All right. All right. Please ask. <laughs> Will do. Um, oh, one last stat. So defensive touchdowns this year. This is ridiculous, too. Um, we've allowed 10 defensive touchdowns in 11 games. Um, we went zero zero one two one one zero two one one one. Yeah. So if we get up by two touchdowns, you, you know, and when we were 16 to nothing against Kentucky, we all felt pretty good because you knew from past experience at most we're going to give up two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if we ice the game on the goal line and go up 23 to nothing, there's no stress at all. But, you know, we don't punch it in 16 to six. We give up our one touchdown and, and, there's a little bit of stress, but we know at most we only give up two touchdowns a game. So um, we can rest easy once we have a few touchdowns in the bank. Oh, yeah. And I'm hoping that uh, that'll be the case this weekend. But it is going to be bad weather. So I think that line's a little high. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, well, hopefully we're motivated. Hopefully we don't get anybody hurt. Um, you know, we, I would love to see us um coming to LSU healthy and that be a game that we're really motivated to win because we need an SEC championship. For sure. I think we're tied with Tennessee right now. Mm-hmm. This in number two all time by ourselves. Um and you know it's been since 2017. So we've had a lot of close calls and a couple of beat downs and um it's time for us to to get another SEC banner. Well, I could not agree more, and you can bet your last dollar that Kirby's going to be preaching that, and he's going to have them laser-focused. They're not going to be thinking about, oh, we we can lose this game. They're going to be going in there with just all guns blazing. Oh, yeah. And then yep. we can watch everybody else fight it out and um, wait to see who's uh, number four. There you go. There yep. you go. All right, Bert. Well, as always, thank you for coming in with the Stats That Matter. It's been awesome. All right. Thanks, David. Let's go in the basement with Buffalo. And Buffalo is back. What's going on? Mad Dog, how you feeling this evening? Man, if I was any better, it'd be illegal. What's going on with you? Nothing, man. Uh, 11 and 0. That's what I'm doing. <sighs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's all you got to say. Just, get in, I- get in, get out. It wasn't. The prettiest games we've ever seen, game we've ever seen, but 
Uh, you know, we did it in, in some ugly weather. We saw the virus uh, spreading across the nation earlier, and we it, it kind of creeped in there a little bit on us, but we never, there was a moment of a little bit of uncomfortableness, but mm -hmm. as we, as you have alluded to earlier, but really not that uncomfortable. So we, we got it all done and got on the jet and left. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like we were nervous, like TCU was and Michigan was no. and USC was and Ohio state. Ohio really. state. Yes, sir. Yeah. The Turks, man, were coming correct and throwing <laughs> down points. They were making that defense look a little iffy. Exactly. Exactly. Not, not, yeah. And once again, I mean, I kind of enjoyed at the end of the night seeing the 16 to 6 when it came up every time as I watched it on and on into the evening as, as I tend to do on Saturdays. I like to just keep going. Uh, UCLA, USC, and, and whatnot, and, and I'm like 16 to 6. It looks so – one of these things is it's not like the others. Well, it's like I said, I mean, compared to the other top five, it was effectively a blowout, you know? I mean <laughs> – It was. We routed the Cats. We routed them, and by the way, they've got a good defense, and it was freezing cold, and, you know, just a the, – the, I don't know, the – the energy there, the vibe was just weird, you know? I don't know. It was, and they were, like I said last week, coming off of Vanderbilt loss, you knew they were going to rally the troops, and they were not going to back down. And we've heard everyone associated with our program for years, have, and they, they, it was ad nauseum this week about how physical they are and how everybody needs an extra ice bag. Um, and they did that. I mean, they, they – you know, they, they put up a nice fight. I, you know, but it, it was I, up 23 nothing, though. I was like, we're going up 23 nothing. We're actually providing the coverage at 22 and the hook. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking we're good then. And I thought we might win. I thought we might provide the shutout, but it's okay. Well, six, it's, six lead. Go. It, it's worth noting that uh, another team in the SEC East went on the road to play a six and four opponent. <laughs> And it didn't turn out quite as well for them. No, it didn't. Uh, you know, that thing, I would, what didn't uh, South Carolina run out of uh, touchdown fireworks that night? They, they didn't have, they didn't have nine cannons loaded. <laughs> Is that the I mean, rumor? Like, Is that the rumor? They score five, maybe six. <laughs> Let's have six. But when they hit seven, they're like, we're out. I don't know what we're, get out cap guns, fellas. I don't know what to do. Make the state troopers start blowing off their pistols. I don't know what, what we're supposed to do. <laughs> they were shooting blanks when they hit 56. Is that what happened? Exactly. They wasn't. They wasn't. There was no firepower left. Oh, my gosh. I, I finally just, I don't know what I was doing, but I turned away for a while and came back, and it was 63. And I was like, are they about to hang 70 on Tennessee? And there was still time left. <laughs> Spencer, Spencer Rattler's over there getting all cocky like he's now back in Heisman contention, counting off touchdowns on his hand. That, yeah, yeah, he was he was doing the finger. Yeah, you know, he, was like, <laughs> he had seven going in with eight picks. He came out with 14, 14 touchdowns by the end of that. Or no, 13. Yeah. He almost after, equated his season total in one night. And immediately after the game, declared for the draft. 
There's my take, folks. Yeah. Hey, I want to give a game ball to Stetson for holding that first field goal. I think it was the first one. He calmly oh. took it. He had the right amount of time because if you take too long, you know they're gonna you're gonna be eating a Rawlings cowhide in your face. But he he uh, he he calmly took it. Pod kicked it. Pod another game ball to him for uh, you know kicking in those weird conditions. We saw what Kentucky did on one of their tries. So I'd like to I'd like to point those out. I thought that was a big play in the game. That hold meant a lot, and all his kicks did as well as the. Uh, you know, when they went for two, stopped them, 16-6, made it a whole lot more breathable. Um, hated to let them out of the goal, out of the shadow of the goalpost twice. The first one, we ended up resurrecting ourselves by picking it off. The other one was, you know, well, hey, I, I guess it just happens. We had to give up our one touchdown, but well, to all your, in all, man, I was happy. Yeah, I, I to your point, I was happy too. Um, to your point about Stetson with the uh, you know, game ball for holding. I absolutely agree with that. That's so critical and so often overlooked. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, he wasn't the holder. I can't remember what happened, but whoever it was, maybe it was a, a backup kicker or something, just was not working. And and they all of a sudden tried him. And I said at the time, that's a big deal. That's going to matter. And, you know, you saw him run the fake field goal against Missouri. You saw – you know, exactly what you said in this game. And I think what you don't see a lot of times is teams are probably not busting through there trying to block kicks because they know he can fake it. Or when they do, they rough him. They rough Pod Lesney like they did the week before. So it just adds just a whole nother facet to uh, a very unique type of play anyway that I think is unheralded. Exactly. And I think – I think it may make teams a little tentative, like kind of what you were alluding to. That uh, you know, with the, oh, oh, Stetson's the holder. We we need to worry about him. They have to worry about him for the rest of the season, which is just another bullet in our pocket. I, I agree, and I, you know, the first person to point that out to me was J.R. Richardson from Stone Mountain. He told me that he was the biggest fan in Stone Mountain. So I want to thank him for being such a great. Loyal supporter of the show. That's awesome. JR loves the show and he wants to buy you and us both a bagel on Broad Street sometimes if we ever get a chance. We're there for an early 12 p.m. kickoff. I would love that. I'm down for that for sure. All right. Well, let's see. What else we got here? Well, well the tech game, you're going. I'm not. I'm coming back from Chattanooga. I'm trying to race and skid in here before the game starts. Uh, you heading up uh, Saturday morning? Yeah, I'll, I'll leave Saturday probably about 8, get in there early. Um, I hate that, you know, there's other games that would be good to watch at noon, but, I mean, who cares? It, it's, you know, we haven't had Tech in Stanford Stadium since, what, 2018? Because we lost them in it's 2020. It's been a while, yep. Yep. And um, so, I, it's senior day. That's always special. Um, yeah, it's raining, but I don't care. It's a, you know, football Saturday in Athens. And those are very rare. We only get five a year, so I try not to miss them. I know, as you and Bert were talking about earlier, it's it's. I can't believe how this season seems quicker. It may have uh, come come and gone as as rapidly, more rapidly than I've I've ever seen. Uh, maybe it's because I'm getting older, but. Well, and I think it's also because you're winning. You know, if you're losing, <laughs> the, the season <laughs> yeah, just drags on. 
you know, but you know, we're just, they're clipping along at an alarming rate, but at least the results are what we want. The results, what are we, uh, 29 to one now, the mad dog show, lucky rabbit's foot. We're it's shooting for 29, we're shooting for 29 and one, 29 oh, okay. and one is the goal. I'm sorry, I've jumped ahead of myself. No, but I, I think you're foreseeing the future. <laughs> Nostradamus, I am. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, I can't, you know, burnt stats earlier, just they're mind-boggling. Like you said, we're living in a golden age. These students that go there, you know, they might not have paid attention until they were 12 or 13 about Georgia football. These, these guys are they don't know how lucky they have it right now. Oh my gosh. Like my son, you know, he's a sophomore there and you know, he's 25 and one. It's, he just, thinks <laughs> you just he, he just thinks you win a natty every year. You know, yeah. this is just the way it it's is. Commonplace. Yeah. It's commonplace. Exactly. Well, let's talk one second about the, uh, what's going, what do you think about the old Miss situation? We're all hearing that uh, Lane's headed, headed on Friday. Well, but I, then I get a text from, uh, you know, Guy Neal, knower of all things on the internet, mm -hmm. saying that they had a team meeting and that uh, uh, Kiffin announced that he had uh, he was staying and had just signed an extension. Okay, well, look at that. Uh, who knows at this point? I've heard, you know, there's a 70% chance that they announce him Friday or Sunday and that if they don't get him, uh, it's freeze. Um. I think I heard gotta... it's James Franklin they're going after. <laughs> I'm, not... I'm not kidding. Are you kidding me? No. No. I can't stand James Franklin. I couldn't stand well, him. Bring him is what I say. Bring him. I mean, he was another arrogant, smug coach. He was arrogant at Vanderbilt of all places. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know how you're arrogant at Vanderbilt, but he was. And he's a good, I mean, hey, gamesmanship-wise, he parlayed. Who parlays Vanderbilt into Penn State? That guy. So He does. And he, I don't know if he would be, I mean, I'm listening around today. It seems like if Lane doesn't work, that they, they're saying James Franklin. This is a Buffalo blockbuster. <laughs> I knew nothing about this before we went on air. Oh, yeah, I hate springing on you. I don't mean to. No, I love it. No, I love it. Breaking Buffalo news. James Franklin moves into let's the see. lead. Let's, let's see. I mean, Auburn's probably willing to spend. I mean, they're just they're so they're so underwater with uh, former coaches. What the heck, man? Let's just keep going. Let's just spend, spend, spend until we finally hit something. I mean, if I'm them, I'm going with Cadillac. You know, he's he he played there. They love him. You know, maybe he's not a offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, who cares? Neither is Brian Kelly. I just know that guy can recruit, and I know the play. he's a player's coach. And he can't do any worse than Harson. He can't. No, he's, he cannot. I agree with that, but I don't think they're going to go that route. I, I, it's just my gut feeling. I, I understand. I'm, I'm all for that. the guy that steps in and does – I mean, the, the tech guy. What's his name? Brent Key? Yeah. Yeah. The tech guy, he, he's done well. I mean, good for him. He deserves serious consideration. Yeah. And I, and in his case, he'll probably get the job. The problem with Auburn is they think they're Alabama and 
they're really more like Mississippi State. Yeah, I just thought thought Lane wanted to get there, to get there, but also to be able to needle Nick. That would be one. That would be fifty percent of his reason for wanting to go there, because he always likes to do that. Unlike our coach, who likes to stay in the shadows and not get on Instagram and Facebook and make funny comments and mess with other people. Our coach understands he he. Kind of follows a uh, an old maxim: silence is golden. Mm-hmm. And I just play my my team plays. If you hear anything from me, it's because somebody snuck a microphone in my locker room. Otherwise, I'm not going to say anything about you. <laughs> I'm just going to bring my team out here. And I'm going to rock twenty eight one, and I don't need to be a, a, a comic act or have a little sideshow going. I'm, I'm my, my team's going to show what they're made of on the field, and I'm going to shut up otherwise. And by the way, I love it when somebody sneaks a tape recorder into the locker room. That's just, yeah, they do. it's just gold every time it happens. I don't Y'all know. Must... He, he, he might not like it, but I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, but that's always up to our imagination. That's what makes it fun. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this this James Franklin bombshell is just, just throwing me for a loop. I don't it's, know. It's what... just rocking the internet already. We're probably going to break Twitter now. We're going to break Twitter. Elon Musk will be commenting on the James Franklin situation. Well, if the Saudi Arabia win over Argentina didn't break Twitter, maybe we will. Is is that like – is that a big deal? Because I wouldn't – Oh, know. it's a big deal, I think, from what I hear. I don't know. <laughs> I don't that know either. That was a beatdown. They were minus uh, – they were plus 1,800. They beat uh, Argentina, from what I hear. And now they're – their city has just descended, their country's descended into chaos. There's, you know, looting and rioting in the streets. <laughs> celebration. Yeah, it, it, it'd be like if Mount DeSales knocked off the Patriots, from what I hear. <laughs> it's a shocking upset that doesn't mean much to me and you, but apparently around the world and in probably Portland, Oregon, it, it, it reverberates. And so the fans didn't storm the field in a single file line like they did at Vanderbilt. I, well, they may have. You don't. You don't want to get too out of control. And uh, Cotter, as they are in, uh, they don't even allow drinking. I'd be a little bit nervous about storming the field. You might want to go single file and just, yeah. I don't, I don't think I get too rowdy. Yeah, that whole situation over there, the whole scene makes me nervous. I just feel like you could. I don't know, step out yeah. of line and get beheaded or something. Yeah, you don't want you don't want to get in a Sharia beatdown. No. <laughs> Cheer your team. Exactly. Uh the, 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 the didn't they like build an island in the water and put it build a stadium on it or something insane like that? Yeah, yeah, they got a lot of money over there. <laughs> that's what I hear. That's where all the <laughs> that's, that's where all the oil is. Well, Joe Biden doesn't think oil's worth much, but but apparently those guys over there know it is. Yeah, they. I think they've got that part of it figured out. <laughs> well, um, should we bring on? Uh, is, that, is that the refrain of of, of the wheel by the Grateful Dead that I hear signifying signifying? It was. Dogger? <laughs> it was. What's, what's up, Dogger? The wheel goes round and round. And yeah, you hit one. Man, I tell you what, I'm still trying to wrap my reign around how the, the wheel works. I'm probably going to have to have you sit me down and, you know, use diagrams. But um, I trust <laughs> I trust you when you say that it works when you're down on your luck on a 
at 10 o'clock on a Sunday trying to pull it out of the fire that the wheel is the only way to get back even. That was actually on Monday night. Uh, on Monday, but yeah, even it, worse. Yeah, 8 o'clock. Yeah, you're trying to figure out the wheel and you chase it. So, yeah, the wheel hit this past week. So, so yeah, you got out of uh, every aspect of losing. It was uh, you hit all three ways of a straight up bet. And you hit, so that means you hit all crackers, you hit all parlays. So, you on a hundred dollar bet, you, you won fifteen hundred. Producer Scott Park with the park group to start coming up. You know, he's great with the graphics. He can put like a, a glossary of gambling terms at the bottom of the screen, describing <laughs> exactly what a parlay, a cracker, a super cracker, and a wheel are. Wow. So it's rivalry. It's rivalry week, man. It's a big week. What right, do you got? Right. Uh, hold on a second. Didn't know if I was waiting on park. Uh, so rivalry week. I'm gonna do another wheel. I'm gonna do Ole Miss uh, and Mississippi State. I'm gonna do uh, Mississippi State plus two with the whole. And I, I I've been listening to y'all for an hour and a half. Uh, Burton Buffalo did a great job. The uh, but I'm gonna go Mississippi State. Too. I just, okay. I think, I really don't think Kiffin's leaving, but that is the rumor. Okay. And then I'm going to go, uh, the Georgia, Georgia Tech, I always have to do the total. I'm going to go, uh, Georgia Tech over 49, or Georgia over 49, either one. Okay. Uh, then Alabama Auburn going under 49. That's the wheel. Right? Okay. So the wheel had to get back into it. Sorry. Uh, so the those three, and then the cracker, all three, probably all three. So Mississippi State, Montesu, Georgia Tech, Georgia over 49. And cracker all three of those. But then the teasers will be Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Mississippi State plus eight. Uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech, it would be over 43. And then obviously Ole Miss, Mississippi State plus eight. And then under 55 for Alabama. So you, uh, you that my, uh, let me go back before I do my 10 team factor. Let me go back to is Bert still online? Can we get Bert back? Is he around? I think Bert had to go eat dinner. All right, he said he texted me. Said all right, that's fine. My uh, my question was going to be if he uh, his all that's. I mean, that was incredible. His metrics. I wonder how that affects the line. Is going to be my question. Yeah, that maybe for next week. No worries. All right, so uh, on these, I went six and four last week. Clemson. Clemson minus 14 against South Carolina. South Carolina plus 14. Ohio State minus seven and a half. Ohio State minus seven and a half. Love that one, Death. Really do. I don't think Ohio or Michigan's played anybody. I agree. Like Stroud's dominate. And then Michigan, do, Michigan day, doesn't have Michigan doesn't have their best running back. I did see that. Absolutely. Uh, just like Tennessee doesn't have their best quarterback, but. Ohio State 57. I'm going to go under 57, same game. And always, that thing is, I remember watching with Bobber. You watch that game, it's always snowing and cold. So they're going to go under. 
Kentucky minus three against Louisville going Kentucky. Oregon minus three against Oregon State at home. Oregon State, Oregon State plus three. Wisconsin minus three and a half against Minnesota. Wisconsin minus three and a half. LSU over under 47 and a half against Texas A&M going over. Tennessee 64 and a half, which has to be affected by Hooker being out. But going to go over. Mm-hmm. USC against the Irish. Mom and yep. dad are here. Yep. We're going Notre Dame plus five. Uh-huh. Oh, of course you are. Well, I mean, it's not because of, it's really is not a Notre Dame fan. It is, uh, I just, USC tends to, I don't know. I like that. It's not a, I'm not going with my heart there. Well, where is that game? It is at USC. That's a tough one to pick, man. I can't get a read on that at all. But it feels like you're, it feels like it feels like you're right though that Notre Dame, that USC hadn't played anybody and Notre Dame's just starting to peak. This, so this time of year there tends to be upsets. Like I said last week, there last week was a big upset weekend. And I mean, how many times has Ohio State played Michigan when the underdog is one? I, I feel like it's been a bunch. Mm-hmm. So yeah. well, it's to be interesting. The resurgence of Notre Dame, who who was in the tank earlier this year they've kind of come back they had, they had two bad losses right when right when uh the coach took over well yeah but he he well he played ohio state pretty he, he played him tight yeah, he played he ohio played. state pretty close and but, but then they had some problems uh you know first year coach that's pretty understandable but it seems like they've righted the ship a little bit although they did have a lackluster offensive first uh second half against navy last or I think was last week before last, but it'll be it because Southern Cal can't stop. They sack you a bunch. They, 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 they turn you over a bunch, but Southern Cal also gives a monster chunk play. It's crazy. Obviously mm-hmm. yeah, they definitely do against UCLA. And what dad told me like two hours ago, he said, did I, did I watch the second half of the Boston college game? Which I did not. I didn't. Uh, but, he he said they brought in Notre Dame brought in a freshman quarterback who looks very good. So I'm gonna trust my dad on all right on Notre Dame against go with the Colonel, Steve. man. Let's go it with is the Colonel. A, that's a true yeah. Colonel. That's right. It's not definitely not me. And then another kind of weird one to me is Washington State against Washington. Washington I got lucky being I mean, they didn't get lucky. They just they beat USC, but uh, I'm going to go Washington State plus two. Okay. That's my 10-team super cracker. My favorite pick on there is Oregon State. Is that out at Oregon State, dog? It is. It is. Okay. Yes, it and is. It's a nightmare for Oregon, I think. I agree. It's going to be foggy and, and nasty in logger land, and it's going to be trouble for them. My favorite like pick on the board State. is Washington State because they have – it's amazing to me that they are only people on ESPN game day that has a flag every single – they were at they Mount, Montana no, they, State. They've never missed one. Yeah, They haven't they missed, missed one. They haven't missed one. You're yeah. right. I agree that the Ducks are going to have a hard time with the Beavers in Corvallis. That place is not easy to play at. It's going to be cold. And kind of misty and just nasty, I think, on the ducks. Yeah. It's the yeah. same as Arkansas last week. It's just a low line. It's just something 
something weird about it. I, yeah, I like it. It's good. Well, and everybody knows that the beavers are slippery yet tough. So and when they're beavers in home, are slippery yet tough. Yeah, they are. Exactly. In general terms. Yes. They have really <laughs> yellow teeth. <laughs> yes, they do have big yellow teeth. <laughs> they all need to go see a dentist. <laughs> anyway. No, uh, D-Dub, obviously, off the, off the subject, um, going forward with what you said to Bert earlier, everything you all said was perfect. I, I, I could see, easily see Georgia, TCU, Alabama, and either Michigan or Ohio State, one of those two. Yeah, I mean, especially if Ohio State beats Michigan really bad. Exactly. I'm just some. I just feel like there's some outside chance that USC threads the needle. If they can get past Notre Dame, I don't know. They might lose the next two games. It's impossible to predict. I just don't know how the, how Alabama jumped. You got to have USC, and they have to have Clemson lose. Clemson lose. If Clemson wins out, I think Davo's in. I agree. Do not, do not, He's doing do his best Joel Osteen crap right now. Lobby. He's starting to lobby. He's barking. Oh, Dabo's the lobbying? Yeah, he's lobbying. He's like Joel Osteen on Sunday morning. Like <laughs> TV preacher, he pulls all that crap. But they're not going to – they can't jump in with two losses. I'm just – I don't know. I, I'm, it's probably wishful thinking. I don't, I don't, I don't think Clemson has a chance. Clemson doesn't have a chance to get in there. Okay. I don't – I mean, Bobber, I don't think so. They're not ahead of Alabama if they win out. They can't be. They've got one loss. I'm talking yeah. about just the, the – I mean, look at how much money is involved uh, and the, the committee possibly thinks that um, they look at the monetary aspect. We've got to be talking to whomever is in charge of TV rights. Um, I mean – Okay. Alabama, Alabama playing in the national championship, the top four, they're going to be a much more watched. Game. Uh, I know they are, but Notre Dame would be too, but we can't put them in. You can't no, be fraud. I don't know. We'll see. I just don't see how you can, with two losses, jump a one loss conference champion. Uh, it is the ACC. That's, I understand that, but. That's just my feeling. We'll just see how it all the chips fall. If it's, like if it's down to really a one, if it's down to a one loss Clemson versus a two loss Alabama, one loss Clemson's getting in. You think so, Dito? I really do because I mean they're one losses to an ascending Notre Dame. They had they say they'll chalk that up to a bad night. Well, they had a terrible night against Notre Dame. They got smoked by Notre Dame. That, just, that's what I'm saying. That was their bad night. Right. But they'd still be a one-loss conference champion. Who have they played? I'm, look, I'm not arguing that. It doesn't that matter. It doesn't matter. They're sitting in there, and they're like, oh, an ACC team with one loss, check the box. Yeah. All right, we'll see. That'll be a conversation for – We'll see. Week. I'm sure there'll be odds on it. We can discuss that next time. Well, the real interesting question is, and this is what I think is going to happen, is I think Clemson's going to lose to UNC, who well, has no chance. The heck with it. Yeah, exactly. They might. Then, then you got chaos. 
Wow. That's what makes it fun. No, that makes perfect sense. I would, I'll go, I mean, back to your conversation with Bert, I would, and I mean, his stat, stats were unbelievable. So that's uh, yeah. why, based on the stats, I would say Alabama covers against Auburn and that Alabama gets in there, not, I mean, a two-loss team against two very good teams, by the way. What will be really interesting is to see, you know, we're at two and a half and uh, Ohio State's at three. It'll be very interesting to see how those numbers change after this weekend with them finally playing a decent team. Right. And right. our schedule leveling out some because we got an ACC opponent. I bet those Good. even up big time. But Georgia's fine in that regard. Yes. Yeah. We're second only to Ohio State. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And now now Ohio State has to play Michigan, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I think their number will come down and ours will go up. Fully agree. And then when they play um, six and five Iowa in the Big Ten Championship, their number will go back up. Or maybe not because I will only allow them to score 21 points. While they score three, will not score. They can't score. They score defensively. That's their specialty. Gamey was. Gamey was. the safety docs quite a bit. Are y'all talking about Iowa? Yeah. Yeah. Did you? That's the only way they can score. Obviously, this is being edited, but. I don't know if you'll notice the lo- that's the lowest total I've ever seen in my life. Iowa played somebody last week, and the total was thirty-three. <laughs> that sounds that it sounds high for them. That's a high-scoring battle for Iowa. Thirty-three is the lowest total I've ever seen in, in college football. By far. Well, um, Ohio State beat Notre Dame twenty-one to ten. I'm not saying I'm saying what the Vegas had a line set at. Oh, 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 Vegas. I got you. I got you. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. We we didn't garner, but what, 22 last week up there. uh, And the total was 52. So the 33 is the lowest. That's that's the lowest I've ever seen. Okay. Yes. Yep, by far. What is it this week? For Georgia? No, for Iowa. Uh, Hold on a second. Hold on one second. Seven. Two to three. three Five to three. They went over. Safety. And hush over the audience. In the anticipation. As we wait on the Iowa total. As Dogger scours the internet for the Iowa over under. The total against Nebraska what? is 38 and a half. The total against uh, Nebraska is 38 and a half. A barn burner. <laughs> they don't need too many Man, touchdowns. So Maybe they should mail them to Columbia. Over. The system <laughs> says the over, but I'm supposed to stick with the SEC. So the system does over. All right. And that's on Friday, by the way. Ah, that's the great thing about Thanksgiving is all those games on Friday. Oh, my goodness. You're not – no doubt. Forget the turkey. It's all about the Friday games. 
And you got the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving, which this year with all the, you know, rumors swirling about Kiffin, that'll be all anybody's talking about. We'll see if his team shows up. That honestly is why I took Mississippi State. It is just because mm-hmm. I, I think they're gonna almost gonna lay down. You don't bet against Captain Leach. They 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 they, late, they did. I don't know how they got seven hundred yards offense last week lost, but they managed. That's crazy. It was terrible uh, defense, I guess. How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. No, I have no idea. That's as wacky as uh, Iowa's offensive strategies, which is to punt. <laughs> Hold the ball and punt deep. I mean, who, who's gonna be, there's nothing really on, on Friday that's, that's really meaningful. Texas Baylor, it's not meaningful for the, for the top four. No, there's not. I love it, Baylor. I didn't put that in mind, but I love TCU. Iowa State's gonna beat TCU. They've been flirting a lot. They've been what? They are. What is the line? James Franklin, Bob. The line's ten. The line's ten. The line is 10. Uh, Iowa State's four and seven. The game's at TCU, and you're telling me that the Cyclones are going to just waltz into Fort Worth on Thanksgiving I'm telling you, that is my upset of the day. That is my upset of the day. Wow. Wow. It is. I mean, Mike dropped by Dogger. Upset of the day. I'll I'll tell you what. I I, I would take the first half line. TCU has been charging back in the second half. Look what they did last week. Look, um, so I'm going to take ISU in the first half, but I will take them for the game. The money line probably, I don't know. I hadn't looked this up, but probably 350. So about $10, you win 35. About 100, you win 350. So, yeah, I like ISU. Mm. He likes he likes ISU so much he's taking prop bets on him. Now that's conviction. That's I gambling do. with conviction. I do. TC is not going to win that game. Man, this is. I mean, that's the that's the bombshell. I mean, of your entire year, telling me that <laughs> Iowa. It's gonna, well, I'm not saying Iowa, it's right, but I'm Iowa just, State four and seven. Iowa State. I'm all in. Good, He's all in. Okay. Well, that's that's must-watch TV now. You're already here, folks. Throw down. Money line. Let's go. If this, if this happens just when you thought your legendary status could not get any higher, <laughs> take it to the moon. Here we go again. Give you more. Nothing less. Back on the mic. Not what I'm going to do this week. It's rivalry week, so I'm just going to tell you who wins. Money liners. This ain't dogger in the spreads. It's the winners. Shocker, dogs beat Tech. And I'm just going to add this in there. I don't think we cover. Bad weather. I'm just saying. The big game, Ohio State. The Ohio State Brown Nuts put their nuts on Harbaugh's chin and the Wolverines choke. Ohio State embarrasses Michigan and Harbaugh. Next, Notre Dame and USC. This one is tough. It's a coin flip. But I'm going with USC simply because I loathe the drunken, brawling Irishman. The Egg Bowl, the (laughs) the pirate-led dogs versus the Kiffin-led, for now, Rebels. 
I say that the pirate pillages the rebels. Arr, especially if the lame duck lane is there. TCU beats Iowa State because Iowa State is 4-7, and seven, contrary to what Dogger may tell you. LSU beats TAMU because, well, it's TAMU and they're 4-7 and seven too. Bama blasts Auburn in the Iron Bowl, the Iron Bowl, Auburn's Bowl every year. Merry Christmas, Auburn. You will have plenty of time to shop. South Carolina. South Carolina. What can we say about South Carolina after last week? Can they come back down off the mountain and get their footing and go back in and back-to-back take down another mighty orange-clad team? I say yes. I say they beat them because it's Beamer ball. They're going to come in there. They're going to block punts. They're going to make special teams plays. Maybe a pick or two off ukulele. I know it's not a popular pick. I know the spread's like 14. Let me tell you something. South Carolina gets it done. Huh. Followed by Vandy. Red Hot Vandy. Catches the Volunteers still pouting and sulking about last week and shocks the world and vexes the Volunteers. Rocky Top was burning already. Now it's going to burn to the ground. Oregon versus Oregon State. The Ducks will try to eat beaver, but they will choke on all the beaver fur. Beaver always wins, as we know. And the jokes just write themselves, don't they? Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Hug your families. Eat responsible. HBTD. Go Dawgs.